Hello, lovely podcast people. Sorry for the slight delay between episodes. Those of you who are followers on Instagram, um, I had some fairly major back issues. I was in hospital and uh, anyway, so I'm very sorry. I was getting back on a flow, but here I am back uh, to talk about sleep. And depending on what I call this episode, I'll probably go for something a bit clickbait because, you know, the importance of sleep. No one cares. And my job is to make nutrition sexy, uh, nutrition and physiology and, and whatever. And I think the take I'm going to give you on this is is probably a little bit different from the industry, I guess, cumulative average. And I guess my initial interest in uh, sleep comes from the fact that I don't sleep a lot. And it's not something that I necessarily try and do. It's probably, possibly genetic. And um, I'll talk a little bit about that. But I'm someone where people say things about sleep, and it doesn't seem to hold true for me, even just something as simple as, you know, people tend, you know, function best on seven to nine hours, and just what the average is, and say, last night, went to bed, sometime after four, and woke up uh, feeling refreshed and ready to go um, just before nine. So, I'm going to be talking a lot about the number of hours slept in the research. And I think it's something that really gets, isn't uh, reported well in the fitness industry with nutritionists and, and personal trainers and doctors and anyone talking about health. And I think when things aren't done clearly, it does two things. One, it disempowers the layperson. A little bit like when people talk about genetics and the the tendency to gain fat, for instance, it can be disempowering if you think that, well, what's the point? And then secondly, it also doesn't help practitioners. If you are dealing with a client and you are dealing with like broad brushstroke things like when you don't get enough sleep, the da da happens. And really, when we look at the actual hours that are being researched, we see different things. And so I'm just interested in it because, you know, people are like, oh, you need this much sleep. And I'm notorious for you know a few a few events I'll I'll not sleep through the night which by the way I'm not trying to to get anyone to sleep less my goal with this podcast is to balance the discussion as usual and to inform and 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 to do that to stop the disempowerment that maybe some people feel particularly I, I was kind of thinking about this and the two main groups I think that really 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 need to consider this or maybe three but the two main one breastfeeding mothers, two, shift workers, three, just an extreme spectrum of individuals who just work insanely hard. And I I remember uh, one of my kind of end of career clients, very high powered businessman essentially said to me, look, I want to, my goal is to be sleeping less than four hours a night, but super functional. And his health was in the gutter. Uh, he was like, I want to be this optimal performance functioning human so I can sleep less than four hours a night. You know, and he he was even looking at people around him. And one thing I suppose, if, you, if you've ever seen the film Limitless, are you aware of that film? <coughs> and it's kind of based on drugs that are pharmaceutical drugs that are available out there that essentially allow you to stay awake and be more productive potentially over long periods of time. And I and I was actually, in more recent years, became aware of certain peers of mine, business people, etc., who are using these drugs to help them work more, 
you know, f basically get ahead of the competition, I guess is the word. And I actually tried um, one of these tablets once and I about died. And I'm, you know, I'm bigger, heavier than the individual who gave it to me. And um, so, you know, and it was like a moderate dose. I might have even only taken a half a tablet. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it was at a time where I was really, really, really pushing the boat out, uh, burning the candle at both ends. Like even for me, you know, there's been times when I've done 16 hours sleep in a week. Uh, I think the most crazy one I did was like 11 hours in five days. And then, and, and then I was presenting for two days. Can't really remember. Anyway, you know, there's been times in the last few years where I I love working. I get hyped up by it, but I have tight deadlines. I work well under pressure, and and the problem is, is I also get a little bit arrogant with it, or not arrogant, but complacent. Sorry, is the right word. As in, I'll be like, well, I I've got 48 hours left to do this piece of work. It's only 10 hours, and instead of doing that thing, what's the law? Parkinson's law, the law that for any given job. It will take, if you designate an amount of time, the job will take that amount of time. Um, it's so true. And so, unfortunately, when you know you can do that, I end up doing just that, of just leaving it to the last minute and doing it in the... Anyway, so I'll just talk a bit about the research. The research has been done, and there is probably... You know, there's lots of different genes involved in sleep, but there's probably some sort of mutations, and they've they've kind of done the deletion gene mutation uh, animal research and made whatever certain species removed this gene from them and uh, they've slept significantly less and required significantly less sleep and you know they sleep less amount of time but they the REM sleep doesn't seem to go down much I, I've got all of these theories like I think I sleep short but well you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger famously said something like, uh, I was going to do his accent then. Can I do it? Get to the chopper. <laughs> He's, he says something like, you are sleeping uh, eight hours a night, then I suucht you sleep faster or something like that. He, he's talking about getting ahead in life and working hard. And um, I think I sleep fast. So, you know, I get my eight hours in, in five hours or just under five hours sometimes. I, and I don't try and often I'll, I'll do big sleeps and, and this, that and the other. Anyway, it's not about me, about the research. So, but it, this is what led me to questioning it. And I just think the powers of not sleeping quite enough are overplayed. And I, I hear people, and even I'll say this, practitioners hammering home sleep so much with their clients when and just going you need to sleep more you need to get your eight hours if you don't get your eight hours and you know what that's probably what I'll call this podcast is a lack of sleep does not halt fat loss because that's how it's sold and even people going you know if you don't get enough sleep if you if you only you know if you miss an hour or two or three of sleep your appetite's going to go through the roof look at this study Oh, this meta-analysis study, it showed that ghrelin was increased, whatever. And I'll, I'll as usual, uh, the show notes, I'll post lots of these studies that people quote. And you can see that more often than not, they're talking about one of two things. One, complete sleep deprivation, where they, you are just, you're not allowed to sleep for an entire night. And yes, we see some hormonal changes. So leptin might go down. And when leptin goes down, appetite tends to increase. You know, perceived ratings of hunger increase. Not talking about hormones, but again, just, you know, on face value. 
uh, ghrelin goes up, the, uh, one of our gut appetite hormones goes up. But who realistically is just not sleeping an entire night at all ever? Like it's quite a strange one-off scenario. And if it happens, it's probably for a reason. Like you have to take your partner to A&E or something like that. I'll tell you what though, how good is gas and air? Just on that. Anyway, um, <laughs> taking me back to my trip there recently. So we've got this scenario of people overstating the research. The other thing that the research looks at regularly, most cited, is ha basically half sleep, which is kind of, they say, four or less hours. There is some newer research, which is which, which I'll talk about, but most of the research that is quoted is four hours or less sleep or no sleep at all. So when we've got clients, and again, please don't be a Karen or don't be someone with a chip on your shoulder or don't be the typical human who is incapable of having an open mind and, and hearing things that are not said. I am not encouraging anyone to sleep less. I'm also going to stay you know, mostly in my lane. Although I feel like someone like me, I'm allowed to go outside of my lane because I will literally just quote, I am just disseminating the body of literature. And I, I sort of maintain within a scope of practice that I at least understand how to disseminate that information. Unlike certain people, Mark Hyman, lots of people, not Mark Hyman, sorry, Mark Huberman. Is that his name? Mark Huberman. Everyone knows Huberman by his Huberman, Huberman podcast. I, am, I keep being told and hearing from um, people I trust that he's a good guy. And if this gets sent to him or whatever, you know, it's this, he just is, I don't, I don't get him because he's going outside of his scope of practice and he's really, really wrong when he does. And so I just can't quite understand because people I trust are sort of saying he's a good guy. He wants people to get the truth. And he's not out there like hurting. He's not like a Mark Hyman who's just a complete and utter charlatan or Tim Spector who's just getting worse and worse and worse, becoming a complete sellout. I'm going to do some specific podcasts on that because I feel like people need to realize that because I did that reel that, that got, you know, a few hundred thousand views pretty fast and people got real mad. But he's a, he's a, he's a sellout. He's, saying stuff that no other scientist in this area says, but he's like, oh, he's a top-rated 100 scientist. I don't care. He's human, and he has got massive conflicts of interest, and he's saying stuff that all the other scientists say are not correct, like scientists at his level. So me coming out and going, yeah, he's a BSer. He's completely overstating stuff. He's completely wrong. Um, you know, him going, what, 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 does it, what, what was the thing that really triggered people? Something about calorie counting is utter nonsense you know a statement like that no one credible makes those statements you can go calorie counting is imperfect absolutely not everyone needs to calorie count absolutely you know these are things i've said um you can lose fat without calorie counting absolutely um calorie counting is not inert it can cause harm absolutely but it's utter nonsense. Like, what a clown. Anyway, let me not get too much off topic. Um, so, in fact, I'll just, I've just written down a couple of things. I, I just said, I'll, I'll talk about genetics, appetite, talking about, you know, an increase in calories people might consume if they do lack sleep, metabolic rates and stuff, myths on that, increased muscle loss, decreased fat loss. Just, those are just the titles that I just want to talk about for you. So, and like I said, this is really just to 
help those who are just the lay person who's disempowered and and then practitioners who want more information i'll give you loads and loads of studies on on my website martin-mcdonald.com forward slash ep and whatever episode this is maybe 102 also if you're on a watching platform super duper like quite an expensive camera now this is my new setup let me know what you think it, it, maybe it's just pointless maybe all you can just see is my pause and whatever but just i don't know if you think it's cool let me know what the sound quality is from the last two three episodes this is like should be the best we've like had a little play around wanting to maximize your user experience because i know people like my dulcet tones i've been told a lot it's it's a very nice compliment i've i've enjoyed being told that it's it was a unforeseen outcome side effect of doing the podcast never thought i had a particularly nice voice still don't but i'm just glad you guys enjoy my waves inside you your ears <laughs> so yeah the appetite is the first thing i just wanted to talk about and so lots and lots of people talk about how bad it is and and you know, I see this too much in practitioners, online coaches, whatever. If you sleep, it will stop your fat loss. It will halt your fat loss efforts. And it would be correct if they just said, it might make your fat loss endeavors harder. One, I'd be more comfortable with that statement. But secondly, the the if they do post reference, and let's be honest, 99.9% .9 of people on Instagram don't, the, re the, the studies that they are talking about or so they've heard someone talk about or they're referencing are these complete sleep curtailment, no sleep at all, or just sleep deprivation to like four hours or less. And their clients are reporting, oh, I don't get eight hours, I get seven or six or like five. Who's regularly only getting five hours sleep? Like I know people and some are kind of coping just all right and some are not coping that great and again it's just treating the person in front of you but also being realistic of like oh, i missed a couple of hours of sleep but i only got six hours of sleep but i feel okay and it's like well you know just overstating stuff isn't necessary sleep's great we should be trying to change our routine so that we get enough sleep for us and our situation but at the same time not thinking oh because i've got this lifestyle where children and work and you know, a relationship and whatever things people have in their life. And it's just like, well, don't even bother starting because you only get six and a half hours sleep a night. Like, no, you can make great progress on, I'm not going to talk much about it, but there are studies out there on um, a lack of sleep and, you know, like significant, you know, either complete, like I said, sleep curtailment. I'm jumping ahead a bit here, sorry. But, and strength recovery after like damaging, muscle damaging exercise, 24 hours of sleep, you know, no sleep, but, you know, versus the other group who did sleep at 24 hours, have, have I restored my muscle strength back to the same level as someone who did sleep? And the reason seems to be like, yeah, it hasn't really done too much. If you then go for like um, more high intensity interval training stuff like type training, or, you know, and looking at more like peak power type stuff again it's highly likely not optimal but it's not this just like fall off a cliff situation that people talk about and again it's complete sleep curtailment or even four hour sleep if you're getting six hours here, here here's another thing that has prompted this podcast 
And sorry, there's a teeny bit of passion in my voice, but it's just, I'm just one of those individuals that I guess is outside of the typical recommendations. And you might be someone who needs nine hours sleep and you're here. Don't be that person again who's like, well, if I, you know, when I talk about breakfast, you don't have to eat breakfast. Be like, well, if I don't have breakfast, I'd eat everything in the world. Cool, pal, go eat breakfast. I don't care. I didn't ask. What I'm saying is, is don't go around saying everyone should do X, Y, Z if the evidence isn't there. And in my situation, I'm like, I, I can't remember the sleep gene thing, but it might be like 0.1% or something of people with it. But that's not what I'm discussing. I'm discussing the body of literature done in the average type of person. And even in those individuals, when you go, right, we're going to have this group doing nine hours sleep, this group doing eight hours sleep or, or a crossover study, seven hours, six hours, five hours. The, the six, seven, eight and nine, there's just no differences. The studies just aren't finding any differences. Then you get to the five hour difference group. There's a, there is actually a study. Oh, I don't know it, but I will reference it obviously for you. I don't know the, the author off the top of my head. And they did what I've just described there. And and literally it was like, I don't know. Uh, I... I do, you know, I'm, I make notes, uh, but I don't really use them when I'm doing the podcast usually. And Anyway. Oh, yeah, there it is. Contu et al. It's a 2023 study, actually. There you go. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I've actually, I've actually uh, copy and pasted a little quote from it because it was that interesting. Hunger, prospective hunger or desire to eat certain foods. Oh, there was, so basically there was no difference in hunger. It's, I've... I've copy and pasted at the wrong point. There's no difference between 98765 uh, desire to eat certain foods. However, post hoc analysis indicated that participants in the five hour condition had an elevated desire to consume sweet fruits and uh, sweet foods and fruit on the final morning of the study. So I think that study is like seven days in a lab being forced to only sleep five hours in a light and only on the last day on the final morning. So I, I'm just saying these things, as you can see, to put things a bit more in perspective than what I think is typically sold. Now, again, um, I'll just go back to my little headings. There are some newer studies which are very interesting where they have gone, let's be more realistic. Let's do a few hours off sleep. Now, it's still like a third of your normal sleep. So you're going from like seven to under five hours sleep, for instance. And so if there is a time in your life where you're just like burning the candle at both ends and you're, uh, and you're between four and five hours sleep and normally you get over seven, some of those things might happen. But again, hunger isn't across the board in the literature going through the roof. Appetite is not going through the roof. There are some studies, yes, where it's like appetite goes up but there's other studies. So it's equivocal. And this is the point I'm trying to make. And again, it's significant sleep reduction. We're not just talking a couple of hours sleep missed here. We're, we're almost always, almost literally always. I'm trying to think of a study where it's not. But all we're getting there is like, okay, I prefer sweet foods. I prefer, you know, if you give me a a uh, fruit juice with one, you know, or a, or a uh, sugar-sweetened beverage, looking for good universal terms to use here. Um, 
if it I prefer it to be sweeter. So you're just your preference for sweet foods is going up. Like that's not necessarily the end of the world. Like sweetness isn't a negative thing, but if it does then lead to change in habits. But you need to remember, again, I'm going to talk about artificial sweeteners. I'm going to do a whole load on them because they're such a trigger subject that people need to be better informed on. And and people are being super misled on, again, by people like Tim Spector, but just preferring sweet foods like cool, eat more fruit. Uh, not an issue. Uh, as I said in that study, they actually did have an increased preference for fruit. Cool. I like, great, go ahead and eat some fruit. But if it's, you know, if they're just going for a lot more hyperpalatable foods, a lot more energy dense foods, it's not just high sugar or, or sweetness foods. It's also just like high sugar, high fat, high calorie, low nutrient density. Um, and if they're just really, really struggling with, you know, quote unquote, a sweet tooth, then it's maybe not the best thing. But again, it's still a significant sleep reduction. So the whole appetite thing is not strong. Your actual appetite with with a small sleep reduction is not strong. If you're going to half your sleep to four hours or less, it gets a lot stronger. It's It may be that your appetite just goes up a little bit and the studies aren't really showing that. And I'm not saying to sleep less on purpose, but I am saying absolutely without a doubt, if there are reasons outside of your control, you can still enter onto a journey of health, improvement, exercise, etc., without being too worried about it. I've actually just popped into my head. I don't know where I went with a tangent earlier. But one of the things that people say to me is, I would typically, you know, it was a period in my life I was working very, very hard. My children were very, very young. And I would often be in the gym at, you know, a wacky time. 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And sometimes when people would start asking me these really ivory tower complex questions slash, oh, you know, so in terms of doing that training, is there a specific reason you're doing it at that time? Or like, you know, it, so do you think the, you know, the impacts of negative impacts of sleep, where is this being offset? What, you know, was, and I'm just like, put it this way. Don't go to the gym at all. Or go to, you know, they're like, oh, with the one hour in bed, could that then actually be beneficial to you? I'm like, beneficial to what? Like, if I have a goal of exercise makes me feel good, or I'm trying to gain muscle or whatever, or get stronger. You know, I've worked with elite athletes who are elite and parents, you know, we're talking Commonwealth Games and parents and full-time jobs. And it's like, oh, should I lose an hour of sleep to get an hour of training in? Or shall I not do the training? And it's like, you don't do the training. You don't get any of the benefits. It's, you know, and this is, it just shows you another reason why I'm, you know, people ask me that question. I'm like, look, I either don't do the training and I get nothing and I get one hour's more sleep. If I'm like struggling with mental health, you know, talking about the the human situation of uh, he should stick to the brain more and stop talking about nutrition because he just keeps getting it wrong. And I don't know if it's for financial gain or if he just is biased or if what is going wrong with him because he's seemingly intelligent and has such other good stuff he could talk about that would be helpful. Um, but, you know, if you're struggling with your mental health, sleep is, you know, just a huge part of that sort of multi-component situation that you start looking at the sleep side. But if, if everything's all good, yeah, I want to train. And I'll get rid of, I'll lose one hour sleep for, to do the training type scenario. So that just made me think of something. Yeah, there are some studies actually looking at 
Muscle gain, I might. Uh, because I'm gonna talk about muscle loss with lack of sleep. Acute sleep deprivation reduces muscle protein synthesis. One night, no sleep. Uh, again, it's complete no sleep. And, you know, actually that's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, there are other studies that look at that and then doing training attenuates that negative effect. So by doing the training, you you stop, you reduce, sorry, reduce or stop the negative effect that sleep has had on it. Now, if you had the good sleep that, you know, you didn't not sleep for an entire night, you'd probably be in a better place. But just doing the training puts you, puts you in a better place. Just training is so powerful, obviously, um, for things like muscle gain or performance gain or whatever strength. So where were we? Calories. Uh, Okay, so no, so my next heading is calories. And you might think, oh, calories and appetite, same thing. No, not the same thing. If you sleep less, and this is one of those ones where it's, it's when it's like, oh, when you know it's easy, isn't it? You sleep less. What are you doing in that time of sleeping? Let's say you're just watching TV. Let's say you're scrolling TikTok. Let's see, you know, this is something for, for me where if I'm just like in a really bad uh, habit of something or I've just messed about, like reply, like I say bad, like I'm re- re- replying and helping people for free in my DMs, but just like doing those things, but just should probably get off my phone. And I end up hungry. And I'm like, oh, I just really want to have a little bit of food before I go to sleep now. I've been up an extra one or two or three or whatever hours. And this is where I think people get confused. There is a fairly consistent, there's fairly consistent evidence that we can see that people who sleep less consume more calories. But then there's this whole argument. People go, oh, it affects your metabolic rate. I was really surprised when I saw some, you know, quote unquote, evidence-based courses talking about this reduced metabolic rate with the lack of sleep which might lead to weight gain but it's just not the case like if anything people expend more energy when they sleep less but it's just for a factor of you're not lying down and instead you're sitting or standing or moving um but more often than not people aren't moving a great deal but they are awake and you it's very 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 easy to consume a lot of calories above and beyond any small increase so you you might increase your energy expenditure by 10 percent, but you increase your you know so you're at 110 percent of the energy expenditure would but your energy intake is 130 percent, and that's a figure we see and typically in these studies again when you go from eight hours to four hours sleep they'll do, they'll basically go they'll keep you awake until 4 a.m and let you fl- sleep four till eight and they and you basically consume 500 calories between 12 and 4 because they give you free access to food and you're bored and you're in a lab and whatever so again your food environment will change that you know if you're it, you know what do you tend to reach for in those moments if you're reaching for a protein shake very different from reaching for for whatever biscuits if you're reaching for you know there's different ways of satisfying your appetite that maybe will have a very differential effect on this outcome anyway. So bear that in mind, which I have not made in any of my notes anywhere that's just popped into my head, is there's a big difference often as well between someone who is managing their calories. We always have to have these discussions. And let me just make a quick note. Non, non, ah, my pen's not working. Non-tracking methods for fat loss. I've written NTMFL. Let's see if I can remember what that means. I've spoken too much and lost my train of thought. Ah, yes. One thing that must be discussed here, 
and and always needs to be discussed in everything is someone who's calorie counting versus someone who's not. There is different advice we need to give these people in different situations. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just jump forward to this NTMFL, non-tracking methods for fat loss. One One thing that we do discuss is there's a really interesting study that is um, that we that we actually teach inside, or, or you know, I, I reference inside one of the Matt Nutrition Uni lectures. But it's essentially this sort of behavioral study uh, around sleep and around calorie management. And essentially, it was something like sleeping an extra one or one point five hours per day. And it, you know, it it sort of leads to a reduction in energy intake and a. So I think it was something like increased sleep from seven hours to like eight or 8.5 and leads to this significant reduction in energy intake over 24 hours. So it's like brilliant. And then that leads to a a moderate weight loss. Someone's just in bed for that extra hour and a half where they might have a little snack. This is what we're seeing. So in terms of appetite, it's not changing all that much unless we have massive fluctuations in sleep. However, just your ability to consume calories. So if you are eating ad libitum, to pleasure and again on a population level that's why i'm totally happy with a global public health message of sleep super important get you know get your hours but on an individual basis where people are more astute and paying attention to their own health and, and whatever uh you know i don't like a lot of public health guidelines they're they're very uh, misguided and too specific and but given in a broad brushstroke way you know, you should base all of your diet on carbohydrates. You don't need to do that. No, you don't. You know, your diet should be low fat. Like you've got these people who are like, again, Tim Spector, so, so, so unbelievably anti-low fat because he's just a new, he's a quack. He's someone who's gone from a very specific area and then tried to just think he understands everything about nutrition because it, oh, it must be simple. But he's, uh, he's, he's like, he, he, I will say this sort of in his defense. He's like me when I was 21, but the problem is he's, he's this top-rated scientist and he should not be that. Like when, you know, he's like a newly qualified PT who's just learned about nutrition. Oh, no, everyone needs to eat low fat. The government's, you know, out to get people, you know, whatever. It's just these, like me, you can probably still find articles on the internet where I've gone, you need to manage your insulin for fat loss. But I was brand new to the game. Um, 20 years ago, like, you can't be his age and and qualifications and experience and whatever and be saying such dumb um it, you know you can't be on tv saying that stuff so when we talk about non-tracking methods sleep can be helpful from simply a behavioral perspective you know when when we talk about behavior change within mnu um the behavior change module there's the, we and we talk about even just all through the fat loss lectures as well, these like non-tracking methods, sleep can be something we can have a discussion about. But again, it's just being evidence-based in what we're talking about, not going, you will eat 500 extra calories if you miss a couple of hours sleep. It's not the case. Um, But if someone's awake for four extra hours and they have certain habits or certain foods in the house and, you know, restraint is an issue or whatever, there you go. Cool. So that's the, that was the longer than probably needed to be discussion around appetite versus calories. Metabolic rate, I mentioned that about people saying it goes um, it goes uh, down, which it definitely doesn't. <laughs> and then finally, here's 
I guess the stuff where I'm like, sleep is important. <laughs> like, no, I'm not anti-sleep. And for these reasons, I just don't want people thinking they're not going to make progress. But if we're trying to optimize things, and we're all different, so bear that in mind where your number lies will be different to someone else's. I'll tell you what, it's a relationship thing, isn't it? Jeez, I find that a lot. What time do you go to bed? What time do you sleep? How long do you need to sleep? Like going to bed four hours later than someone and waking up 15 minutes before them is annoying. <laughs> Talking from personal experience. Anyway, um, <laughs> where was I? Oh yeah, so where sleep's important. It'd be different for everyone. And uh, muscle loss and fat loss. Now, again, talking about shift workers, talking about, and, and I, I do want these difficult conversations that sometimes, okay, a breastfeeding mother, she's, you know, feeling like her body's not her own. She's feeling like a bit down about how she looks, whether or not she should, you know, she certainly shouldn't be judging herself, you know, because of the thing it's gone through. Um, but whether or not she should want to change that people have different opinions but really it's up to the individual and what they want to do. I, I certainly wouldn't want them to do it with a place of hating themselves, but it needs to come down to this honest conversation with yourself. Is this the right time? Breastfeeding, you can be in a calorie deficit. I've done that podcast. Idiots out there telling people that breastfeeding people can't be in a de calorie deficit, absolute morons. Um, but whether on an individual basis, it's the right time to do that, you know, just setting yourself up for failure. If you're someone whose sleep is absolutely mashed because of a crazy little new baby um, who sleeps 30 minutes and then wakes up again and then sleeps 30 minutes and wakes up again. Uh, that was <laughs> one of my babies. I honestly thought her brain wasn't going to develop because she just did not sleep. And she's, you know, she's ended up like me. And I think in a way she sort of developed quicker because she was just awake more, looking around more. Uh, and that's why she started walking and talking so early. Um, just more time on the earth when you're that little. And uh, so it's just that conversation of if you are someone who needs that sleep, it is impacting you in that way, having the conversation with yourself. So, but also knowing these things. When we have studies that look at, and not even the four hours, you know, it's like, it's more of this like 20 to 30% less sleep we are seeing significant during a fat loss period reduced percentage of fat loss versus the group that's getting you know eight hours and also an increase in lean body mass loss so it's something to consider um there's a really interesting like mental masturbation thing that i i don't know if i've ever used that term on the podcast yet mental masturbation uh, essentially, it's, you know, it's just like thinking just for the sake of pleasure rather than anything really overly productive. <laughs> um, funny definition, really. Maybe it's a bit of an old school thing. Or like In these days, it's like self-pleasure is a really important part of uh, your self-care and mental well-being, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's just like... Suddenly masturbation has gone from this thing that no one talks about. And it's just this really anti thing and just women definitely shouldn't do and never do. And men do, but they're perverts because they do it to this world where it's just like, I don't know. It's dri probably driven a lot by money. Um, all these sex toy companies is like, you owe it to yourself. You be proud of it. Do it on the bus. Uh, <laughs> 
um, your relationship will fail if you don't do it. Um, anyway, sorry, going off on one. Uh, mental masturbation discussion of like and and I want to do a podcast on this actually this has been something I have been mentally masturbating over is sleep and dieting I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before but just something that happens it's not the impact of your life impacting your sleep and what that has on your diet it's the other way around the you know if we talk about like reverse causation (laughs) um dieting and the impact that then has on sleep duration and quality i didn't actually mention this but but i'm not just making this up about um you know everyone's different and it's like it's just this like really woo hippie thing the the studies have been done uh on you know twin studies which are just some of my favorite studies when you look at twins you just get such an amazing insight into nature versus nurture you know, is it my genes doing this or is it just the, the, my environment, the way I've been, you know, my life experience or whatever. And, you know, even two twins with very different lives, but the, these sort of shared genetics, sleep duration, and I believe it is sleep quality have been measured. And they're like 50 ish percent, you know, the hereditary, you know, heredited tendencies uh sleep is it sleep latency no it's sleep length and sleep quality again i'll link you the studies it's not sleep research is not one where i can just pluck um authors and that well saying that and also the authors there's some good stuff coming out of australia a lot of australian universities but the the surnames are just not like just so hard to pronounce and when you don't know the researcher personally or like you've not spoken to them or you've not seen them speak in person so you've heard them say their name or you've heard if you've not heard them on like a podcast saying their name i just it just doesn't stay in your head does it there's just i can picture them like the v's and the t's and the w's and the sort of croatian-esque surname but then i'm like oh there's it's just someone who's got that surname who's living in australia publishing out of whatever university anyway um that that's one of the curtailment studies uh i even think it's a 2019 one anyway i can't quote it what was i talking about oh yeah the the twin studies was i yeah was i Uh oh that's bad isn't it anyway i feel like this podcast is going on too long so that's really where I, i wanted to wrap up in terms of the impact on um of lack of sleep on on fat loss and body composition those things so yeah and i was talking about uh the genetic tendencies and those kind of things so summary wise i hope where what i've wanted you to get out of the podcast has happened so um one i hope you smiled two i hope it's been uh cathartic for those of you who like the A's. someone said to me i read it actually in the, in the previous conversation i'd had with them when they replied replied to something recently they're like oh when you take sips of drinks it's very asmr and i was like i don't think i drink all that much during podcasts do i um but yes i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you enjoy the podcast being back i'm not trying to discourage people from, from sleep categorically not i think it's very useful for many different things and that's what the research says but it's bearing in mind that missing a few hours sleep even if that's regular the impact the magnitude of that effect is actually very small it's only when we have significant 
reductions in sleep. Um, but the problem is, if you are someone who genetically needs nine hours, so Sarah, who uh, is kind of like my right-hand person, woman, man, <laughs> uh, second in command at MNU, um, she's like, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, I'm fairly sure. She always says, I need nine hours sleep. Like that's just her. She regularly functions on less, but um, she is best on nine hours-ish, eight to nine hours. Now, if you're that person, and then we talk about a, you know, only getting six hours, then we are getting into that realm of, well, that's about a, or well, that is a third, um, three hours loss, 33%. And it's getting into the realms of some of the research and certainly less than six hours. So, and this is on, I know I've talked about performance, body composition, appetite, calorie consumption, but there's, you know, sleep impacting on a wide array of other things that I haven't uh, discussed here. But yes, I hope I've just balanced the argument a little bit, hopefully stopped anyone feeling, uh, and also got some of you practitioners away from going, Oh, you know, like just hammering on at a client too much on something that isn't a principle for uh, fat loss. Uh, yeah. Did I actually talk about the mental masturbation thing? Is that where I lost myself earlier? Sorry. I, I, yeah, so talking about lack of sleep. So it's like dieting, but, but like competition bodybuilders and muscle loss. That's where my mind went then. So anyway, that was just a thing. I'll maybe talk about that in the, the sleep, the reverse causation, sleep. Uh, the impact of dieting on sleep as opposed to sleep on dieting and the muscle loss there. And, and in the bodybuilder sense, people get really lean. They just like, I feel amazing when I diet. And actually, I think when I've previously thought about it, it's probably in some of my rapid fat loss podcasts. When I do a rapid fat loss phase, I can literally almost never sleep. And I feel this amazing mental clarity all day long. Uh, it, I just feel great. Uh, which is so weird, isn't it? Like eating 800 calories a day and like sleeping soundly, but very small, you know, very few hours. But just, and but, but it is a common, that's not just me, a very common thing when people just do any sort of diet that it, they are enjoying and finding sustainable is I just wake up feeling more mental clarity. Now, even in some of the intermittent fasting research, maybe leads us this way but potentially there are there are very obvious mechanisms and hormones and i guess evolutionary theory you know basis within evolutionary theory of why that might happen with regards to you know cortisol and adrenaline and you know availability of these energy substrates and what that might allow us to do uh in terms of if we think of like hunter gather type scenario and the impacts that cortisol or adrenaline would have on fuel to provide substrate for going to hunt or gather or whatever um anyway it's cool it's interesting i hope you've enjoyed that i'll stop talking now anything else to tell you i might have a tour day i should have said this at the beginning oh goodness how can we do this how can we do this maybe i'll get lucy or tear to edit this to the beginning on the third is it the 3rd of June? I might be doing a last minute tour date in Dublin. I'm probably only going to do one, maybe two. I might speak in Austria, maybe. 3rd of June, Saturday, 3rd of June, yes. 
one of my tour dates. People have been asking me, it's like a bank holiday weekend there. So if you want to fly across from neighboring countries, England, if you want to drive down from Northern Ireland, uh, Wales, Scotland, anywhere else, like go come from mainland Europe, would love it. 3rd of June, save the date, go on my Instagram profile and click. In fact, I'll put it in the show notes, a link, click, type your email address in and I'll let you know some details, first release of some tickets for that. It was like a, a morphine gas and air thought that I just had that was like, I want to do a talk. I love public speaking. I love being in a room of people and making them laugh. Why am I not doing that this year? And the re- the reason is because I'm so busy. I'm just like, ah, let's just get it done. And it's it's also that perfectionist attitude of us like, oh, if we did it right and get as many people there, because I feel sad. I literally put it on my Instagram. People are like, you should have let me know sooner. I've literally just booked a trip to, I can't remember where she said, Greece or something. Or no, what was it? Was it... Uh, Ibiza, can't remember. So I, f- I feel bad for that, but it's just like, ah, you know, it's, it's that whole thing. Do the training session at one in the morning or don't do it at all. If I don't do a talk, no one benefits. So, and and it's that whole thing. It's I'm not there to make money. The, it's, un, it's always unbelievable value for money. The amount people charge for terrible talks and um, my talks are fantastic. But also it's just like the way we look after you, the refreshments, the, the 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 expense of lunch, we always make sure everyone gets in refreshments and, you know, a nice, enjoyable day out, hang out with me and learn, laugh. And then we'll obviously have an after party, always a good bit if you want to join for that. But anyway, and for like pennies versus hundreds of pounds that people usually charge. So And, and get in on the first release because it's always the one that we want to just like get you know enough to cover at least costs pretty much cool until next time much love hopefully that was everything i should have said i even i think i had a post-it note look there it is what a gimp mentioned dublin tour third of june lucy uh, that was to be fair lucy that should have been on my flipping podcast mic (laughs) right much love